Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. In fact, I've made up my mind to find a career that I can learn and grow into. Who am I? I'm a hard worker. I set high goals, and I've been told that I'm persistent. Now, I'm not fooling myself, sir. Having been raised with the self-esteem movement so popular in schools, I used to expect my needs to be considered. But I know that today's work culture no longer caters to the job loyalty that could be promised to earlier generations. What I believe, sir, is that good things come to those who work their asses off, and that people such as yourself who reached the top of the mountain didn't just fall there. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. In this episode of the Weekly Real, we'll be talking about the movie Nightcrawler. But before that, you might notice that we have a special guest here today. Say hello, Jacob. Hello, everyone. So, um, Jacob, who who are you for the, the audience? Well, obviously, you know my name is Jacob. Last name Evangelista. Um, I'm a friend of Ken and Jeremy's. Um, in the early podcast discussion days, I was somewhat involved, but um, I'm excited to make my uh, debut here on episode four. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, it's been a two-way conversation. It'd be nice to add a add a third person, a three-man pod for the first time. Yeah. We're making now, history. Who is the third wheel? Who is the third wheel? <laughs> wheel? That's the question. But uh, me and Jacob wheel. actually know each other from from high school. We're f- high school buds, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you we know, went to Mountain View Academy. Shout out to all the Mustangs who are listening in. Um, <laughs> no, fun times those were. But uh, here we are now, stuck on a podcast together. Yep. <laughs> But um, eventually, me and Jacob did bond over some short films. We made some short films together on uh, yeah. the channel Time to Rise Films. Yeah, Time to Rise Films. Those were uh, great times, you know, making I don't even know how many videos over the how many five years it was, maybe six now. Yeah, right, almost, six I now. think it's six now. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, but uh, a lot of. Uh, history there you can really see our minds start to develop in terms of creativity yeah so i like it's good to have jacob on here because i know that uh we always go to movies together if you might if you can tell our channel name is time to rise films and that's kind of a nod to some of uh christopher nolan's work slash han zimmer work uh so we're very much inspired by christopher nolan and, you know, whenever there is, like, a Christopher Nolan movie coming out, you know, we're going to, like, watch it together and talk about it because we're just that passionate about movies. I agree. I mean, I saw that passion early on uh, when when these two guys were, uh, well, they were in high school, like they mentioned earlier. And I just saw the passion that they had for creating um, content, creating short films and everything. And at the time... Uh, you know, they weren't working obviously because they were too young and I figured that I would facilitate that passion and, and see if I can kind of 
bankroll for lack of a better term uh you know this project and so i just kind of became the de facto producer in this whole thing because i just really wanted them to just uh, i wanted them to pursue this passion of theirs and uh and we had good time shooting and and filming uh for each of the short uh short films that we did and so it was good times it was good times for sure some uh some nights were rough uh very not on schedule but i think for the most part it was uh it was good times but jacob uh we do have a weekly tradition here on the weekly reel uh, we talk about one notable movie or show that we watched in the last seven days. So uh, is there any like show or movie that you've been watching recently? Well, one movie that I did watch recently, um, actually referencing back to our uh, Christopher Nolan um, inspiration, I watched uh, Interstellar, the movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey. And um, as you know, we're Nolan fans. And one thing that this that watching that movie, you know, just in my room on my TV, um, it just made me think of how much I miss movie theaters because you can't really get the full experience when you're watching a movie like that, or probably most of most, if not all, of Christopher Nolan's movies, you can't really get the full experience if you don't hear the sound and like surround sound. So, um, I mean, I, also whenever it comes to movies like that, I always learn something new every time I watch it. Just like little things that I pick up on that you know, I didn't realize before. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good one. And you know, with a, a Christopher Nolan movie, it's basically like an event and to experience it in theaters is the right way to go. Cause I know the last movie that I watched in theaters was Sonic the Hedgehog. And I don't want that to be the last movie I see in theaters. <laughs> um, <laughs> not saying it was a bad movie, but it's, uh, I definitely won't, don't want it to be my last movie in theaters <laughs> but ken how about you man so the movie that i ended up uh choosing for this week or watching uh this past week was uh oceans 11 uh ended up watching that on hbo max it's funny too because uh the the reason why i knew it was on hbo max is because i thought it was on netflix with oceans 12 and <laughs> oceans 13 i just thought it was weird that the sequels were on netflix and i was trying to find oceans 11 and it was it ended up being on HBO Max. Uh, anyway, uh, the reason why I wanted to watch this was because, I mean, it's just a lighthearted film. Uh, I've been watching a lot more uh, entertaining, more l- lighthearted movies lately, especially with COVID-19 kind of just being like, I don't know, it just seems like if it's not one huge problem, it's like another. And so I just thought, you know, why not watch something that I'd, I hadn't seen in a while? And, it, you know, it's just a fun heist movie uh you know george clooney is his normal self uh brad pitt's his normal self uh then julia roberts you know she's just playing herself <laughs> like uh, she normally does uh but i think the the main significance of this movie that i just i don't know just looking through imdb i just thought it was pretty funny that matt this was actually matt damon's first main comedic role uh you know because this was in 2001 and you know he was just coming off of like goodwill hunting and rounders and movies like that and uh yeah i just thought it was pretty cool to see him play like the neurotic uh like 
just a comic relief character because he'd always been like um, more of a main character instead of the side character you ended up playing. So um, yeah, it was, it was uh, just as entertaining as it was the first time I saw it in the theater back in 2001. So uh, Jeremy, what was your movie for or movie or TV show this past week? Well, I watched a movie on Netflix that just came out called Project Power, starring um, Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's about basically like this drug that gives people like superpowers for like five minutes. And it, it was an okay movie. You know, the premise, the, the concept was there. It could have been really interesting. I feel like they could even, uh, I think it's rated R, but it didn't feel too rated R. I wish they could actually went a little bit harder with that R. But um, yeah, there, there was a lot of potential with the movie. Um, the world building wasn't exactly there. Um, they, but, you know, the, the cast is uh, so good that it kind of makes up for it. But uh, it's like one of those mediocre Netflix movies once again, sadly. Yeah, I I actually agree with you. And actually, I wanted to mention that if you want to hear a more full review of Jeremy's thoughts on uh, Project Power. You can subscribe on his uh, YouTube channel, and he he actually made a, a what do you call it? He made a video on that, so definitely check it out. It's really good. Yeah, well, my reviews. If you want to check them out, Jeremy Pullen Barrett, and just real quick, go watch the videos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Project Power. It was okay. Uh, but last week we did talk about a better movie, much better movie. Um, we talked about Chef, and we had polls uh, about the foods that appeared on Chef, and we had the poll taking place on all our platforms: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, so, Ken, do you have the results um, and the food? Yes, I do. Um, so, yeah the the poll itself was. What was your favorite dish within Chef? Uh, the movie that came out in 2014 was featured in episode three. Uh, the choices that we put out there were the pasta that uh, Chef Carl Casper uh, made in the beginning uh, for Molly, uh, the grilled cheese sandwich that he had made for uh, his son Percy, the Cubano sandwich that both uh, Martin and Chef Carl ended up making and creating and showing Percy how to make. And then the last uh, choice was the brisket, uh, the brisket that they ended up making the Austin Midnight sliders in the specialized Austin menu. And so the results are in and uh, they're pretty interesting, actually. So out of all of the results, 54% chose the grilled cheese sandwich. And then uh, notable selections uh 27 chose the brisket uh which is the austin midnight sliders and there was actually a write-in vote for uh well favorite dish uh one the one write-in vote was uh for scarlett johansson and so i just thought it was pretty funny <laughs> and i was like really? oh, i can't disagree <laughs> she's a full meal <laughs> yes she is she's <laughs> definitely a snack uh, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was pretty funny. Uh, it got a laugh out of me and I was like, oh, I got to mention this. So um, definitely uh, wanted to uh, mention that, hey, you know, whenever we have these polls, please, we would love your feedback because 
every Tuesday after a brand new episode, we do have these polls related to uh, the movies. So be on the lookout for uh, for the poll coming up next week on Tuesday. Yeah, so if you want to just follow us on Twitter, Facebook, you can interact with us and have fun with us there. Yes, but, I, I forgot I forgot to mention. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's at Weekly Real uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Weekly Real. And that's where we'll put the polls. Yeah, we'll definitely repeat that once again later on. Uh, just to you know, make sure you guys interact with us because we want to talk with all of you guys. It's very important to us. But last week, we did talk about the movie Chef, um, a movie that Ken hadn't seen before, but or Ken had seen before, but I haven't seen before. And this week, we're talking about the movie Nightcrawler, which Jacob and I have seen, uh, but Ken hasn't watched it until now. So on episodes like this, they help us expand our horizons by watching movies uh, we normally wouldn't watch, and you might want to do the same. Hopefully, this podcast helps you uh, expand your horizon and watch movies that you wouldn't otherwise. So, uh, t- we will be talking about we will be talking about spoilers of Nightcrawler. So, you have been warned. And uh, if you don't remember what Nightcrawler was all about, Nightcrawler is about Lewis Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, a thief looking for work. When he comes across a world of night crawling, filming provocative scenes and selling them to TV news stations. So, Ken, um, since this was your first time watching Nightcrawler, uh, what were your expectations before watching? Well, you know what? I I remember when we decided that we were going to have this for episode four, I completely forgot about what the what the you know, little footage that I remember uh, from the trailer that I had seen, you know, when it first came out in what, 2014, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the day before I ended up finally watching it for the very first time, I ended up, re- you know, rewatching the trailer. And when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, okay. Then the immediate, uh, the my initial thoughts just came back to me. And so my thoughts on the uh film before I watched it was I just felt like it was kind of, it kind of gave like a Spider-Man slash Venom dynamic uh, from the old animated series that I used to watch uh, on, on uh, TV before. And I just thought it was funny because, you know, you know, with Peter Parker and Eddie Brock, you know, they were always trying to kind of compete for, you know, just footage on um, I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I'm not like the most, um, current with uh, comic books, but then they would mainly take photos, right? Yeah, they would take for pictures, the Daily Bugle. Daily Bugle, yep. Yeah. So I mean, th- there's a little bit of a difference right there. Instead, you know, stills versus uh, video. But I just kind of had that type of vibe where you know they just need wanted to get out there, get the footage at whatever news, uh, you know, breaking news thing that was going on uh, right then and there. So that was my initial thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Like, honestly, I would have told you not to watch the trailer, but it's okay. (laughs) Just in case, because I know trailers give away way too much nowadays. Um, But why didn't you watch it before? Like, kind of like closer to when it released? Oh, man, when I when I was trying to think about what was what I what I was doing in 2014, I think it just ended up slipping through the cracks. Um, 
I think during that time, I was just uh, kind of in a state of transition. And um, I, I just really didn't have, I don't, I don't want to say didn't, didn't have the time for it, but I was just busy with other things. And uh, this one just, I, I just never got around to it. So, Well, so now that you have seen it, do you have like any overall like thoughts about the movie? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, one immediate uh, thing that I uh, thought of was that the movie's kind of a slow burn. I mean, it's a little bit on the slower side in the beginning because, you know, they're doing some world building. They're kind of establishing uh, Lewis Bloom's character. And so um, from the onset, from the very beginning, they did a really good job in terms of um, setting up as a as a psychopath. I mean, I'll dive into that a little bit later on in the episode, uh, but I just loved how gritty the film was, you know, it, it helps that the pretty much the majority of the movie takes place at night. I just love the overall look of the film. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know. I was just wondering what Lewis Bloom really did during the day. It was weird other than what sabotaging vans. That was like the only thing that I can remember. <laughs> I guess he was, he was studying on the internet, I guess. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And so, um, I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, I just thought I, um, share a, a couple more random thoughts, uh, from the film, like overall, I just thought it was pretty funny that, I mean, I mentioned the whole Spider-Man and Venom thing. I just thought it was funny that, well, Jake Gyllenhaal in the latest Spider-Man film, Far From Home played Mysterio. And I just thought it was pretty funny that, well, in that movie, Far From Home, he, he played this person with like a, what tv production thing and it was kind of similar to to um to nightcrawler and then also in this film is riz ahmed who plays rick and i just thought it was funny because he ends up playing the villain in the latest venom film uh he plays what carlton drake and riot so i just thought it was pretty funny that my initial thoughts with spider-man and venom kind of wrapped up because yeah some of the actors with a quick fun fact, did you know that Jake Gyllenhaal almost replaced Tommy, Toby Maguire for Spider-Man 2? I heard about that, yes. Do you know that? <laughs> that would have been interesting. I didn't Jacob, know that. Jacob, I should say. That would have been, been interesting to watch. Yeah, because I think at around that time, Jake Gyllenhaal came out w- with one of your favorite movies, um, Day After Tomorrow. Okay, yeah, that was one of my favorite movies. You know, that's a... a uh, not, not guilty pleasure not, not guilty <laughs> pleasure of mine there it is yeah um but we yeah, all have our good. we we all have our uh, likes and dislikes right <laughs> no need to be ashamed so um jacob when did um do you remember when you first saw nightcrawler you know i don't remember exactly when i watched it but i do believe that the first time i watched it i was streaming it whether it was on netflix or amazon i'm not sure but it wasn't really something I remember when I was uh, it was at a time where I was just looking for something to watch. I wasn't really, I didn't really know much about it. I wasn't really interested in the movie. Um, the only thing that caught my eye about it really was the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was the uh, lead actor. And then I I remember I ended up just turning it on, but you know, from like Ken said, it was uh, a little slow in the beginning, but once it started to pick up, I couldn't really take my eyes off the TV as, really interested and intrigued in the story and how it was developing dude yeah like you you mentioned that you saw it on like um 
Netflix. Do you think, do you wish now that uh, you would have gone and seen it in theaters? Oh yeah, definitely. Now that I know like that it's actually a good movie and not just a random movie that popped up on my suggested list. I want, I wish I went to the movie theaters to see it. Cause you know, like I said before, when you go to the theaters, you get really the full experience of, of watching movies when, it, whether it comes to, you know, seeing things on a bigger screen or just the, you know, pop-ups or um, things that directors use sound to kind of get you with. So I really do wish I went to go see that one in the theaters. And, you know, if it probably did a re-release in the theaters, which it probably won't, but if it did, I think I would go watch it. Mm, So do you have like overall thoughts on the film? Yeah. um, My overall thoughts, I'd say, I was definitely surprised and how good it was. And, um, you know, we'll get into some of that a little later, but um, it was just interesting to see how, you know, Lewis Bloom, his character developed, you know, from the beginning of the movie to the end and kind of some of the things that he went through as a character and um, just, you know, is kind of seeing how that side of the news works. Cause usually you see, what people you know who are watching um the news see and then you see some of those tv shows or movies that are about you know the the actual production but you rarely ever see um what goes behind behind the scenes if you know what i mean mm-hmm. like where the these news uh news companies get like th- this footage that we see that's you know 720p and kind of bad uh <laughs> blurry quality, yeah lighting is a little off but you know it was it was really interesting to see and i thought that it was cool that um that this was written and you know actually made it to the theaters because it's something that not a lot of people really think about when they're watching the news or really think about it all actually yeah that's true man because i would have never guessed like that local news is that cutthroat pretty much it's pretty crazy oh, yeah. yeah i would imagine it would be like that in especially in a bigger city like uh like what was portrayed in the in the film i don't know if, if it would do that in some really small town but <laughs> yeah because lou bloom when he was in uh, la right la yeah 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 uh well for me i did actually see nightcrawler in theaters uh it was like one of those movies that i just like went to because it had good ratings um me my brother and my cousin went to go see it and I remember when it finished, we were just like amazed. I remember just sitting in the theater and we're like, holy crap, like, what did we just watch? Like, we, we didn't expect this because, you know, the movie, we didn't hear much about the movie because it's it wasn't a blockbuster movie. It was it's very much an indie movie. Like Ken said, it is a little bit more slow burn. It is very much more a um, character study. And Jake Gyllenhaal, man, he just brings uh, Lou Bloom to life. I think he, got, I think he got snubbed out of a uh, Academy Award, uh, Academy Award that year. I think he won so many awards besides the besides an Oscar. Um, so I, th- I think he at least deserved a nomination for that. Do you remember who won? Uh, shoot, it might have been. DiCaprio for The Revenant, maybe. Mm. I don't know, 2014? It might have been The Revenant. I don't know if Revenant was either 13 or 14, but I forget. 
But I, I just remember after I saw Nightcrawler, I, I just went out and told everyone to go watch it. <laughs> I know that as soon as I saw Ken, I was like, Ken, you got to see Nightcrawler. Jacob, you got to go see Nightcrawler. Because it was just one of those movies that I was like so inspired by, I feel like. Even though it's uh, pretty dark, it's definitely not a feel-good movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, to me, it's a bit of a, um inspiring movie in a way. In a weird way, very weird way. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you earlier. It only took me six years <laughs> to do a podcast and finally watch it. Yeah, and Netflix, I don't think it had Nightcrawler for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it finally took them, what, maybe another five years for Netflix to finally get Nightcrawler. So it's all good. <laughs> hey, that's why we're doing this podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, but one thing I was extremely curious to hear your your guys' thoughts on was, um, what did you think of the character of Lewis Bloom? Um, how about you, Ken? Do you want to go first? Uh, you know what? I've I've probably rejected the going first uh, maybe too many times, <laughs> so I'll Before, go first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I, I I touched on it briefly uh, when I gave you my overall thoughts. Man, Lewis Bloom plays a total psychopath like so well it's like so natural uh the way he does it he's he's so gifted as an actor and he he played it so well i mean from the very first scene when he's uh what stealing all the the fences and all that stuff and he ends up like uh well did they ever establish if he killed the guy or not the 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 security security guard guard? he at least stole his watch (laughs) fake rolex or something but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he killed him. He might still be under a train track somewhere. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean, I just, it, it was pretty crazy because, I mean, he just thought of lies like it was like breathing. And I mean, that's just psychopath like characteristics right there, psychopathic characteristics. So, um, I, one very minor nitpick of the film because Jake Gyllenhaal was so good as Lewis Bloom. I just wish they had maybe one more scene where something went wrong because that scene where where he gets beaten by Joe Loader to a scene and he ends up with basically like crumbs for footage and Nina just lays into him. And I remember when he goes back home and he's like just yelling in front yelling of the mirror and he breaks. Yeah. I felt like, oh, man, that was so good. I felt like this the i think the movie could use one more scene like that really yeah i have i I have a uh, little rebuttal to that though okay i definitely want to hear it later (laughs) um but i mean other than that i just um i just loved how uh jake gyllenhaal's performance was so good it really did remind me even though you know joker came later it reminded me of joaquin phoenix's performance in joker with the way they played uh, a psychopath it was just creepy uh just made you know i just gave me goosebumps um throughout the film and it was it was really good once i got into it after the whole slow burn and everything uh that we've talked about uh, i was i was hooked immediately so that was it was good lewis bloom it's crazy man how about you jake what do you think of the very likable Lewis Bloom sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was when I was going through my head and just trying to picture 
and like describe what I see in Lewis Bloom, like three words came to mind. So those three words were dark, driven, and then odd. So mm. if you honestly, like right from the get go, you can just tell that by the way that Jake Gyllenhaal looks as Lewis Bloom, that he's kind of a, an oddball kind of guy. And he's in his character, just like the way, you know, I don't know, the way his face looks and his physique. He just seems like a person that does dark things, if that makes sense. So um, obviously through this, you see through, uh, you know, his journey during Nightcrawler, you see how dark and how driven he is because of what he's willing to do to, you know, make, uh, not necessarily just make ends meet for himself, but also to do what he has a passion for doing. And I think that's a really weird way to you know, use your creative, uh, the creative side of your brain, and to use your drive. But you know the way that Jake Gyllenhaal was able to portray him, I think that it's really, it was really um, done well, both in the writing and in how Jake Gyllenhaal was able to you know portray that to the audience. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Jake Gyllenhaal actually like lost thirty pounds for the role or something like crazy like that? I did not know that actually, but. Now that I'm picturing Lewis Bloom in my head, I can see that now. But yeah, that didn't really come to my mind. Did you watch the the movie Southpaw? Uh, I think it came the year after with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yes, I did. I did watch Southpaw, and yeah, he was a lot more muscular and yeah, that he movie. was like super buff and all that stuff. And he actually filmed that movie after Nightcrawler, so I think that's pretty crazy. He mm. did like a Christian Bale right there. <laughs> that whole dieting thing. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, to put on that amount of weight after losing it, that's mm. gotta be intense. All muscle too. Yeah. Even though Southpaw was just an okay boxing movie, mm-hmm. um just I guess his dedication was freaking crazy. Um but in my opinion like Lewis Bloom I He's like Ken said, he's a psychopath, but he's also a, very much a um, sociopath. You can almost like see him analyzing people and just kind of um, just uh, like trying to study their 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 social cues and all that stuff, trying to fit in so hard. But at the same time, he he like learns through the internet, through interacting with other people. It's it's a bit scary when you watch him. Because he, I think Jake Gyllenhaal adds like these little ticks uh, to his characters. Like I think Lou, he doesn't blink when he gets very intense. I think when he's uh, arguing with Nina about uh, price or something like that, um, he he basically doesn't blink. If you go watch that scene again, he's like not blinking. And it's a bit scary. It doesn't help that. Jake Gyllenhaal has big eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he had the, the that crazy eye look right there. Yeah. But uh my quick little rebuttal to Ken's uh, <laughs> thing earlier um where one thing could have like gone wrong later on in the movie. I feel like in a way that's um something Lou wouldn't let happen. It's like he he made a mistake. And obviously you saw how much it affected him. So he would do anything for it not happen again. I think that's just like in his character for it to never happen again at any means. I definitely agree with you there, but sometimes you can only control so much. I I would have liked it where 
something that he couldn't control like happens and then i wanted to see him like react negatively i just i just wanted to see more of the crazy like like loose cannon uh lou bloom i I don't know that's just me i just wanted to see uh, just one more (laughs) Mm. and i felt like the movie was was what two hours long i felt like it could have had about another 10 to 15 minute scene where something went wrong so it still would have played just as good if not better yeah dude i can probably never i i don't get tired of him because like you said he he lies like it's like it's nothing yeah, <laughs> he was just like spitting, like you know, you he would just come up with something random that you want to hear, and it's something like you said where he's a sociopath. He uh, he knows people. He you know sometimes he's socially awkward or whatever, but he knows what to say, or he, he basically talks to people and he says stuff that people want to hear, and so mm-hmm. I, that's kind of a skill. But I mean, the way he does it is just crazy because you know he doesn't mean it. <laughs> Yeah, because you know what I was thinking about when I was rewatching it this time was when he was talking about, oh, in uh, like, let's say he was, he was talking to Rick or something. And he's like, hey, did you know that in 80 percent of studies, like when he does that the stuff, I like I'm wondering, is, did, is this actually true or is he just making this up? And I can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I couldn't tell the difference either. <laughs> Do you like my little blue blue impression? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think you watched it too many times. Yeah, too many. I'm kind of scared now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could, uh, move on into our next topic because uh, there was a great scene between Lou and Rick, um, Lou's assistant, uh, played by Riz Ahmed, uh, where Rick is negotiating to be paid more because let's just say he was being paid very little how much was it again ken or jake it was uh 75 dollars a night and that was renegotiated oh, man. he almost went for a hundred <laughs> <laughs> almost and obviously he asked for too little but you know that when he asked for too much uh he paid for it with his life <laughs> so Definitely. uh if you guys were rick how much would you ask to be paid to be Lou's assistant? Ken, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, well, it sounded like uh, that uh, Lou Bloom was going to definitely agree to 100. So I was like, okay, well, if he was going to do that, I would probably ask for 200 uh, a night. And I think I wouldn't go any uh, anywhere beyond that just because I don't. I want to live. shoot that's true how about you jake are you willing to risk a little bit of your life well honestly when i was thinking about this i was kind of i had the same reasoning in my head as ken so i only kept mine at 150 (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right yeah gotta get a day job somewhere or something and at nighttime just (laughs) that's true man uh for me i guess i i I went a little high i guess i went for 240 oh i I don't know (laughs) okay but you know i think as as long as you portray to him like that you're you're uh dedicated to your position and uh you're not going to ask for more it's like or less uh i think he'll be like okay with it 
It's like you have to yeah. be very committed. He doesn't want to see any black. Uh, like he wants to see black and white. No, no gray area. Mm-hmm. But I'm still kind of scared, though. <laughs> <laughs> that does fit. I mean, he he wanted Rick to be a little bit more assertive, right? And so I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and uh, on the topic of I guess money, because early on in the movie, uh, Lou he isn't exactly the most well-off guy. I think he's like stealing internet from his neighbors or uh, <laughs> internet and uh, TV from his neighbors, um, and he actually stole a bike. And sold it for I think eight hundred dollars at the pawn shop. Um, so I think it w- we thought it would be fun if we talked about uh, what camera gear we can get for under three uh, under eight hundred um, under eight hundred. I guess minus one hundred for the police scanner, which I guess is a necessity in night crawling. Because uh, Lewis Bloom he did get a um, bit of an old camcorder, and I thought it would be kind of fun to kind of look at some camera gear for us camera geeks i agree um well also i i thought i'd mention it i mean for those of you who need a refresher that bike had 37 gears Ooh, that's why <laughs> that's why he got 800 dollars out of that uh but in terms of the uh the listings that i found all of these listings that i found were on ebay and so uh all this stuff is used uh, the camera body that I found, I found a listing for an A7 II, which is a full-frame Sony camera. Uh, it's mirrorless. It, it actually comes with batteries and a grip, and that was for fourteen four $415. And then I found a lens for, it was like a 24 to 70 millimeter F4 lens for pretty cheap, actually. It was for $167.50. Hmm. And then uh, to round out my... Uh, like my little camera kit, I ended up buying a shotgun mic, uh, which is actually one that I do own, but I found a used one for $31. It's a Rode Video Micro. And then I got a portable LED light. Uh, it's an aperture portable LED light for $35. And so uh, I added all that up and I'm at $648.50. Nice. Shoot. Jacob, did you do your research on eBay or something? Yeah, I actually did do my research on eBay as well. But um, in terms of camera, I found this uh, camcorder. That's a JVC. Now, it says it's 4K, but looking at how old it looks, I'm not sure it's the 4K (laughs) that we know right now. But uh, it was listed at $300. So, you know, for I mean, for whatever 4K was back when this thing came out, that, that might not be too bad. Um, I also found a battery kit or not kit, but like a bundle where you can get three batteries for it for uh, $50, which I thought was pretty good. Cause usually batteries go for like, maybe like, if not, they probably go for more than $50 each. So, um, I thought that was pretty good. And then for the light, um, also like Ken, I got a portable led light for $50, um, charger um like a charging port just so you can charge multiple batteries at one time for fifty dollars as well um we have a lot of these little accessories that are fifty dollars yeah, very little accessories very detailed <laughs> jacob <laughs> um i also picked up a memory card bundle which comes with five of them for 50 bucks as well um hard drive to store all the actual extra, extra footage because i'm assuming that he's gonna have a lot of uh extra footage with whatever he's filming 
Um, that turned out to be a hundred bucks. One of the most expensive things besides the camera. Um, portable charger for 30 bucks for his phone, you know, got to make sure that he's always in contact with the Rick, whether or not they're nearby to each other or not. Yeah. Um, make sure that cops are still alive or not. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One thing that I did add last second was a shoulder bag because I'm pretty sure he's going to put all these accessories somewhere. So that was another $50. And so my total actually came out to $680 just under the $700 mark. Very nice. Nice. What was your total again, Ken? Six forty-eight fifty. Six forty-eight fifty. Ooh. All right. With mine, it's definitely not as detailed as Jacob's because I <laughs> have three <laughs> items. <laughs> he definitely took this question to, to heart. You know, Jacob's it. gonna go shopping after this. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm gonna buy all these things I found on eBay right now. Yep. And the drone, hopefully. Oh yeah. Okay. FYI, um, Jacob's drone. It's a very good one, actually. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, it's, it's somewhere in the San somewhere. Francisco Bay. Yeah. Well. Oh well. <laughs> I guess you'll have to buy uh, a camera. You have to go sell your bike at the the pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta steal one first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We don't condone stealing, Jacob. <laughs> you're right. Make you're sure right. to steal for thirty-seven years. <laughs> Just steal a car. <clears throat> All right. So um, what I chose was a uh, a camcorder, a Panasonic HC V800 for $500. Because I know I I wanted to get one, you know, with a zoom. He was very, uh, Lou was very much into zooming in. And I had to make sure it had good optical Im- image stabilization. Because uh, you don't want any of that shaky, shaky footage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got him. And I, stable footage. <laughs> yes, stable footage, clear footage, and I had to make sure that it could have a uh, external microphone. So I picked up the Rode Video Mic Go for a hundred dollars, and then a portable light for fifty dollars. So a total of six fifty. Oh wow! Wow! Very nice. Yeah. So we're all kind of you know our own little Lewis blooms and we're ready to go night crawling. I think. I think so. We should probably do that. (laughs) (laughs) Whose van are we going to use? I mean, who's Uh, red car? Who has a red car? Yeah. Jacob, do you have a van? I do. I got a Prius. Yeah. Red Prius. Prius. Yeah. There you go. Save on gas too. And you can drive across town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So guys, if you're listening, if you, and if you want to join the conversation, uh, feel free to tweet us at Weekly Real, or uh, you can email us at uh, what's our email again, Ken? It is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. So, yes, you can email us there, or like I said, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Weekly Real. And uh, just as a little uh, fun little question, uh, we I wanted to ask. Uh, what are your favorite movie psychos? Uh, mine personally is Patrick Bateman, um, Christian Bale from American Psycho. Yeah, he he was just crazy. I think him and Lou Bloom could be like long lost cousins. Uh, well, mine. Uh, I I wanted to say Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, just because I mentioned him earlier, but I wanted to go old school with mine. Uh, I'm going with Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Whoa, man! Ooh, Ooh. that guy was Classic. crazy. <laughs> How about you, Jay? For me, for me, I chose uh, another classic, 
I went with uh, Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Oh yeah, he was good. Nice. Yeah, I had, had a you know I saw a list of Psycho movies and saw that on there, and I was like, ooh, I had to pick him. All right, you guys heard all our favorite psychos, uh, so please email us and. Uh, We would love to chat with you all. Um, I think right now we are about to take a quick break. Welcome back from the break. Uh, We come to the part in our podcast where we talk, where we give out our weekly real awards. Uh, and first, our first award is the Why is Gamora Award, which is basically our favorite quote of the movie. Uh, so, Jacob, what's your favorite quote of Nightcrawler? When I was uh, looking, I honestly had to look up some quotes because I can't really remember like specific ones. But um, one that really did stand out to me was where uh, Lou said, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make money to buy the ticket. And I think that one kind of stood out to me because obviously it's like kind of something that's obvious, but you know, if you're broke, you don't have money to buy a lottery ticket, but you want to win the lottery lottery. Obviously you have to find, you know, whatever money you can to get that ticket. Cause you know, no matter how lucky you are or how lucky you believe you are, it won't really matter if you don't have the ticket. So I think that's my favorite quote. Yeah, that was like in the beginning of the movie when he was trying to get hired, but that mm. that manager guy was wasn't taking any of his BS. He yeah. wasn't gonna. I'm not gonna hire a thief. I'm like, dang, I feel kind of bad though. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Ken? Okay, my winner uh, for why is Gamora? Um, this was kind of a throwaway line, but I just thought it was hilarious. It, and I was, pro- I think if this was playing in the theater, I probably would have been the only one busted out laughing. <laughs> it's one of those random lines. But anyway, it's, it's the scene after um, where Lou gets beaten out, you know, at, at a scene by Joe loader. Right. And then, so he has to come back to Nina with basically nothing. <laughs> He's got crumbs. And then, so, this dialogue is is actually I thought pretty funny. So he goes, um, so he's basically saying that, oh, um, I have, I have footage of a stabbing in Corona, and then Nina goes, he, she's just mad. She's basically just kind of listing all the stories that he missed. Uh, like I think it was, he, she lists like two or three or whatever it was, and then so she she's just mad, and then Lou just goes, um, well there's that stabbing in Corona. And so he just brings it up again. And then Nina just snaps back with this one liner. She goes, I don't give a goddamn about fucking Corona. And then later on, she goes, this shit is fucking death to me. I'm like, yep. Corona is death to you and everyone right now. I just thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, predicted it six years earlier. I, I just thought it had no bearing on, on the film or anything like the importance. I just, just started cracking up because she was talking about the city Corona in Southern California, but obviously <laughs> Corona it, it's deadly. <laughs> it's fucking death. <laughs> well, what was yours, Jerry? Uh, my favorite quote. Uh, 
trying to remember where it was. I think it was when um, Bill Paxton's character, Joe Loader, is trying to actually hire Lou to be a part of his team. And he's, he keeps bugging him, like, you want to join the team? I'm, I'm trying to set up two fans, uh, two vans, bruh. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> freaking Bill Paxton, man. Um, yeah. Even and, called him a twerp earlier. <laughs> yeah. Like, Screw you, twerp. <laughs> like, that was he, almost he, my mine. That was almost my winner. Because Bill Paxton was basically acting like one of those um, like high school bullies. <laughs> That's what he, he reminded me of. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite quote uh, does come from Lou uh, when he's when he he's so fed up with um, with Bill uh, Bill Paxton with Joe Loader, Joe Loader. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 with just asking him to join his team so he says I feel like uh, this is uh, Lou because I don't curse as much as Lou hopefully but uh, I feel like grabbing you by your ears right now and screaming I'm not fucking interested. Instead, I'm going to drive home and do some accounting. <laughs> that was a good one. Because <laughs> I was like, dang, this guy's crazy. Because he, like, he barely showed, he, like he was like literally on the edge of like murdering him, like right there on the street. <laughs> foreshadowing. But, yeah, foreshad- <laughs> foreshadowing. And um, yeah, instead he, he says it very dry. Like Jake Hall's delivery of that line was was just gold to me. That was a good one. Uh, but for our next award uh, is our Jensen Award, uh, which is basically our underrated character for the movie. Uh, so, Jacob, do you have a underrated character for Nightcrawler? Yeah, so uh, the character that I picked was actually who you just mentioned, uh, Joe Loader, played by Bill Paxton. Um I say he's underrated because he obviously did not have that much screen time, but I think he had a lot to do with the way that um, uh, Lou progressed in the Nightcrawler career, I guess you could say, at least uh, during the movie. Uh, it's like he he was part of his... Um, he he used Bill as part of like his drive to help drive him to be better because he wanted to be better than Bill. You know, he wanted to get there uh, before he did on every scene, he wanted to get better footage and stuff. And I think that um, if you're just watching the movie for the first time or just watching it to be entertaining, you probably won't uh, catch that right away. But yeah, I think that's why he's probably the underrated character deserving of the Yinsen Award. Thanks. So, Ken, uh, who's your underrated character? Well, my underrated character, my winner of the Yinsen Award is... Oh, man, I I I gotta agree with Jacob, Joe Loader. Um, no way. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just validating his his pick, dude. I have well, the same guy too, though. <laughs> oh geez, Joe okay, Loder. well, Joe Loader for the win. I mean, I mean, Bill Paxton. Well, I've always been a fan since uh, he wet his pants in True Lies, but <laughs> I. <laughs> well, the reason why, uh, in addition to what Jacob just mentioned, I felt like. Uh, it indirectly gave Lou the blueprint for everything. You know, I, it, it actually reminded me of well, m- one of my favorite TV shows of all time, probably actually my favorite breaking bad in that Walter White in his descent to becoming an anti-hero, he ended up picking up things along the way from these like drug pins and he would pick up these little ticks and he would pick up 
you know, different strategies and everything that he would observe from, you know, people that ultimately ended up like, you know, he ended up having to cross paths was, we'll just say, uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil breaking bad because I know Jeremy still hasn't finished it. I'm on like season five. I think (laughs) you're almost there, man. You're almost Almost there. Well, anyway, uh, the, the the reason why I say this is because, I mean, just the fact that Joe Loader was the first Nightcrawler that he ended up seeing on the side of the highway. So inspired him to be a Nightcrawler. He wanted a job right there, right then and there on the spot. The idea to establish a company, make this a, a full production, uh, you know, with with, every, you know, with the with his van and everything, just even in the beginning when he only had the one van just to the idea to establish a company is something that Lou ended up doing. And then the idea of running multiple vans in, you know, just splitting the city in half, um, you know, it's just, it just gave them ideas. And and so uh, the last thing I wanted to uh, bring up was that, I mean, Joe Loder just kept egging him on. And so it inspired him to kill him off. So, <laughs> he just got rid of his it just got rid of his competition so um yep that's why he's my winner for the Ensign award i mean it's a unanimous decision mine is also joe loader bill paxton and uh bill paxton is the only actor to be killed by both an predator and alien so i think that <laughs> fun fact right there um but yeah i, I do have to agree like he basically took uh Lou took so much from Joe Loader and in a way I feel like their their personality personalities clashed clashed so much. Um it's like screw you twerp. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like I never get, can never get tired of him saying that. Because it, it feels yeah, like bro. he just came straight from the eighties. <laughs> yeah and he, and he was he was from Hawaii for a little too. <laughs> was he wearing a Hawaiian bro. shirt? I think he was, yeah. Yeah, so just going off of what Ken said about, you know, Lou taking a lot of um, what Bill was doing, I think you could kind of tell um, if you watch the movie and during the first scene at the the highway, the camera takes kind of a a low, like, first-person view from Lou and looking at, you know, how Bill and his, you know, little company are approaching the scene, you know, and, you know, all the gear that they have inside their van, he's kind of taking a peek and trying to get ideas. And I think from that point, you could really tell that he was trying to, like, it really piqued his interest. And then especially the part, obviously, where he asked for a job and then, you know, Bill turned him down. And that led to his demise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really led to his demise. Because, um... Which leads perfectly into our next award, the Dusted Award, which we basically created uh, for Nightcrawler because it's our favorite crime scene, the Dusted Award. So, Jacob, who do you want to give the Dusted Award to? Well, I give the Dusted Award to, um, obviously, it's a crime scene, but there's a shooting. It's more near the beginning of the movie. There's a shooting at a house, and Lou ends up getting to the scene late and so he can't really get the same footage that bill already got because he was there earlier on like right when the 
the incident happened. But when he got there, he basically snuck into the house. And uh, obviously, it's a crime scene. So if he touches anything, his uh, fingerprints would be there and stuff like that. But he went in the house, started getting some footage. And then there's one part that really um, you know, caught my eye was he walked up to the fridge. And there were like these little baby magnets that are the letters, the different colored letters. And then there was a family picture. And he positioned it so that he could get the picture, the magnets, and the window that had um, bullet holes in it in the same frame. And I think that that also um, showed how much he was willing to do to get the perfect shot that he could give to the to the news companies. And I think that's why I gave that one the Dusted Award for my favorite crime scene. That was definitely a good one. Ken, did you have a favorite crime scene? I definitely did. Um, and kind of borrowing off of what... Uh, Jacob was saying you could tell like he was putting an emphasis on framing his shots. Um, and I felt like he perfected it in the Granada Hills mansion. Just the fact that uh, obviously what they get there, they're there before the cops are. And he's able to just come up having like, like low angles of first the shotgun when he's coming in. And then, you know, he's like slowly approaching like different things. He's like, got these smooth panning shots, you know, panning over to like the first uh, girl victim on the, um, on the couch. And then uh, even that one scene where there wasn't a baby, but just the way he kind of slowly like panned uh, to the, the crib or whatever. It, it, and it, it was just perfect the way he did it. And obviously it helped that it was like dark and everything. And it was like, Oh, is there a baby in there? And it just, adds to the like the tension um the just the way they filmed and shot everything was just beautiful and i mean later on in that crime scene then the, it basically reveals um well actually sorry like even before he even goes in he he gets like footage of the uh, the two suspects as they're running away uh, and getting into the car, he gets all that information. Obviously they reveal that he withheld all that information. I just felt like that was like a huge, huge turning point in terms of, you know, when you're going up the roller coaster and it's going uphill and you get to the point where you reach the top and it's about to go down. And I felt like that scene is where it went down. So um, that's my winner for the dusted award. Um, how about you, Jeremy? Yeah, well, I knew the Granada Hills was definitely like a top crime scene in there and definitely spurred uh, the craziest scenes of the movie later on. But we'll get into that. But uh, my pick for favorite crime scene would be um, Bill Paxton, Joe Loader's uh, van crash scene. Because I think Ken mentioned it uh, earlier on that Lou sabotaged uh, Joe's his van basically I don't know maybe took out the brakes or something like that just because he was so angry of not getting that that one crime scene that he basically killed him he murdered him and um, I think Rick was so worried about it's like oh he's one of us it's like not anymore man it's like this is basically like our crime scene to, to film and uh, when Joe Loader, he's on the on the stretcher, all bloody, and is in a neck bracer, and he looks up at 
his arch nemesis Lou filming him. It's like that was just like the nail in the coffin right there. And we never got to see what happened to him after that. Well, he knew, though. He knew. <laughs> yeah, you can see it in his oh, eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he knew. I mean, like, I would I would imagine if, if the brakes were cut or, you know, I don't know if the van failed in any way. He it was just too much of a coincidence for that to happen right after like their whole like conflict uh, right before that. That's true. Yeah, he probably knew he was like. Screw you, twerp! <laughs> In his head. Yeah, he was so thinking someone, that. Yeah, he was thinking that clearly. You can just see it in his eyes. <laughs> but uh, which leads me to my next award, uh, the Avengers Assemble Award from Endgame, uh, which is favorite scene and favorite scene of Nightcrawler. So, Jacob, what's your favorite scene of Nightcrawler? So for my favorite scene, I picked a, a scene in the beginning. It was when he was uh, trying to sell his the first footage that he got, which uh, if you saw the movie, you know you know that it's absolutely trash footage that you know could be couldn't be sold for a lot to these news companies. And when he went in there to to sell it, he said he he first asked for ten thousand dollars for the for the clip. And ten thousand dollars, it wasn't even how much they would give for, or it was probably what they would give for some really, really good quality footage if they, you know, bargained for that much. But I thought that it kind of showed how how new Lou was to this this uh, the night crawling uh, scene. And then you know, from going from that aspect to the very end, you can see really how he progressed, and you know what he learned from bill and what he brought from himself because he's such a oddball. And I think that, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty much why I gave that one. The, uh, Avengers assemble award for my favorite scene. Dang, that is a good one, man. Uh, Ken, how about you? Well, my favorite scene, um, is, it's it's actually a little bit more of an underrated scene. I, I just but I love I love behind the scenes stuff. I like uh, I mean the audience will get to know that I like montages as well. Uh, but my favorite scene was uh, after the whole Granada Hills uh, crime scene when he has all that footage and he's he goes back um, to Nina. He gives all that information. It's after it's negotiated and it's that scene where. Nina just takes over the basically the the screen time. It's when they're doing a live news broadcast and she's uh, just playing the news director and she's just trying to hammer home uh, how horrific this scene is. And she's just like, uh, make sure that, you know, she's just yelling instructions to each of the the newscasters uh, at the time. And I don't know, I've always just been a huge fan of, being able to see what's behind the curtain, all the behind the scenes stuff, and just to be able to see how they uh, portrayed that. I felt like Rene Russo was really good in that scene. And I thought that, well, I mean, we haven't really mentioned her that much in this episode. I wanted to make sure that I saved this portion of the episode to just let her, let everyone know that she was really good in the film. She was actually kind of underrated. She was also almost my underrated character, even though she's, probably technically the female lead. Um, and so I, that's why I went the other direction. She can't really be underrated if she's like 
the lean role. The lean role. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I just wanted to highlight her performance in that scene and just uh, how um, she's actually really good in, at her job, even though like what they were like sixth in ratings or whatever. So that's pro- that's pretty horrible for local news. But uh, for that particular scene, that's my winner for the Avengers Assemble Award. Uh, how about you, Jeremy? This is your yeah. movie after all. Yeah, for sure. But just I just remember also in your uh, scene, Ken, kind of talking about when the with the newscasters and um, uh, what's his name, Lou. <laughs> he was like he had a very specific way that he wanted uh, video production news. That's the way it should be read. That's the way it should be said. It's like, <laughs> oh crap, this guy's crazy, man. He's so like OCD. Yeah, and he kept saying that, and he was so like proud of himself when they said it uh, on on air. By the way, that's a horrible name. <laughs> I know. Production. I was <laughs> video production news. That's like so generic. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to get like um, maybe the writers or whoever like didn't want to accidentally point at somebody in real life. True. True. It's like here's generic name. <laughs> <laughs> it's so on brand though for Lou uh, Lou Bloom though. Yeah, that's so true. It's kind of a little bit out of character, yeah. but maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, but my favorite scene, my Avengers assemble award would have to come nearing the end of the movie where, where that action sequence, that car chase leads ultimately to Rick's death. And just the way that, that Lou tricked, uh, Rick to his death. And was like the, when he told him that the police offer, uh, the, not the police officer, but the, the suspect. Um, the suspect was dead and led him to it's like his steady hands use the zoom steady hands. And then he gets shot. I'm like, when I saw that first in theaters, I'm like, no way he didn't just kill his partner, but that's exactly what he did. I was so, and the way Riz Ahmed played that character, he was like a, like a stray puppy in a way. <laughs> so innocent. Uh, and yeah. So innocent. And just like, Lou just killed him and that was it was so sad but it was pretty cool at the same time <laughs> but um my uh, for I guess not underrated scene but um honorable mention I would have to say would be um Nina and Lou at the Mexican restaurant I think it's such a good scene between the two actors uh just Lou is super crazy and he really trying to fulfill his uh, some of his other desires <laughs> in a very <laughs> manipulative way. And that's when, you know, like if you want to take like red flags to the max, watch that scene. Mm. Cause Lou's just freaking crazy. Psycho. So awkward. <laughs> that was a very awkward scene to watch. Shoot. I wonder if the food was good though. <laughs> it sounded good. I bet you he did a ton of research. <laughs> I mean, he does so much research on everything else. I'm sure yeah. he researched a lot uh, on that Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Well, uh, we'd have come back to um, the part in our podcast where we play a fun game uh, called Guess the Rotten Tomato Score. This is Jacob's first time on the podcast. Um, so I wanted him to go first, but I did want to mention that I am up. 4-2 against um against Ken. So I'm for up now. For two now. Points. For now. For now. <laughs> We're uh, taking this one. 
yeah, J- Ken will try to will tighten that lead, and uh, Jacob can uh, play for fun. So, Jacob, yeah. do you want to? Uh, yeah, uh, when I was trying to think of you know what the Rotten Tomatoes score would be, I was thinking of all the movies that I know that I like, but also got a pretty low or score on Rotten Tomatoes. But I feel like this one is so well made that it could have gotten a high score. So I'm going to give this one a 90%. Dang. All right. Oh man. I'm kind of scared now. Ken, <laughs> what's yours? Ooh. Mine's pretty close to Jacob's actually. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't want to no. overthink this one. Like last week, last week I, I was trying to trick myself and I tricked myself into being way off. So I literally thought about this for, Two seconds. The first number that came to my mind was 91. Ooh, shoot, man. 91. My score, Ken, is 89. <laughs> <laughs> we got a close one here, guys. We got I bet you Jacob one. gets it like exactly. Because <laughs> re- was it the, uh... oh, it was Iron Man 1 where we were off by one. Each. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I did not expect this to happen because, like, like we said in other um, episodes, we do not tell each other. We do not even look up scores. We basically take uh, our best guess at Rotten Tomato scores, and then we're gonna look them up live right now and see who gets the point for this week. So let me look that up right now. Ooh. Oh, shoot. (laughs) All right. So Nightcrawler 2014. Hang on. Stupid computer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Nightcrawler 2014 gets a 95%. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect it to be that high. I love the movie. Oh, I he was being generous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, dude. Ken Sweet. Ken gets the point then, at, with his best guess of ninety one, closest to ninety five. Dude, that's such a good. That was higher than I expected. That is pretty crazy. I didn't think it would be that high, honestly. Uh, I thought it would be in the ninety range, and I just didn't want to pick a round number, which is why I didn't go with ninety. Honestly, so, I thought yeah. I thought I liked it more than the critics. Well, I think I guess I did. But I guess that segues perfectly into um our next award, the last I Love award. You 3, yeah, our last award, I Love You 3000 award, where we basically rate uh the movie of the week from 1 to 3000. So, Jacob, out of 3000, what do you give Nightcrawler? I gave Nightcrawler a whopping 2,877. Ooh. Nice. Uh, what percentage is that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'll look that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't figure that out in your head? <laughs> is that like 96%, Jake? Or 95 or 95.9%? Oh wow! Ooh. That was actually pretty. That's really close to uh, actual Rotten Tomato score. Hey, I should be a critic. 
That's true. How about you, Ken? Okay, well, I actually um, went a little lower, um, only because I felt like it did kind of drag a little bit in the beginning, and that's the only like eh, that's the only negative thing I really got to say about it, other than that one nitpick that I mentioned earlier in the episode. My rating out of uh, three thousand is two thousand six hundred seventy three. Um, and that loosely translates to uh, 89.1%. It's still a really good score in my rating system. I tend to be lower. So that's actually good for me. Nice. I know. Yeah, I noticed Ken's very strict. but And that's good that you didn't think about it too much on your Rotten Tomatoes guess, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, that that's the strategy moving forward. <laughs> what was your rating, Jeremy, since this was your uh, your film? Yeah, so I gave it not as precise score, but I gave it 2,900 out of 3,000. Wow. 96%. Because I feel like, I guess, yeah, I do see how some people can see that it's a little bit slow in the beginning. But for me, just the way that the music, uh, the characters, I never really got tired of uh, tired of it at any point uh, during the movie. It's such a good movie. I feel like it's very rewatchable for me at least yeah for especially for an indie film i i feel like i can watch it at any time yeah plus i feel like all the characters uh are are, are they stand out all of them you know and so uh definitely uh kind of kicking myself for not watching this <laughs> earlier <laughs> but i'm kind of glad that i ended up finally watching it and we made a podcast episode out of it for sure, man. I'm glad I can share Nightcrawler with you. Uh, thank you, Jacob, for joining us on this Nightcrawler episode. Uh, but Ken, do you want to preview next what, what we're going to talk about next week? Yes, for episode five, all I got to say is the first rule of episode five is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second <laughs> rule of episode five is you do not talk about Fight Club. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Dude. Jerry, all you. I wonder what movie that is. <laughs> I wonder. I think it's um, Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's just so crazy. And um, I know Jeremy hasn't seen it, which is why I picked it. But uh, Jacob, have you seen Fight Club yet? I have seen Fight Club, but not for a while. But I do remember all the rules for Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, there were more. <laughs> there were more rules, but uh, the first two are the best. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jeremy will soon find out uh, when we actually, uh, well, when he watches it, and when I finally do uh, another rewatch. Because, like Jacob, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's still one of my favorite uh, movies. It's just never around, but it is. On HBO Max, I believe. HBO Max. We are not sponsored by HBO Max, but that's where I am definitely going to be watching it. Dude, I'm so psyched for next week because Fight Club is just one of those movies that's probably like on the like must watch list on mm. any like per movie person's uh, movie list. And I can't believe I still haven't watched it. So I'm I'm ready to watch it this weekend. On HBO Max, not sponsored, but if they want to sponsor us, go ahead. Um, 
but yeah, I'm so I'm totally psyched for that. And so keep up to date with you know all that stuff on our social media. But Jacob, um, if the listeners want to follow you somewhere, where where can they find you? Well, uh, on basically all social media platforms, I am at Fashoj F A S H O W J. Same thing on YouTube. And if you do, by any chance, go on Twitch. You can find me there too, streaming some usually video games at FV Showj. Nice. Yeah, we've played uh, Call of Duty sometimes together. We win sometimes, not all the time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, go follow Jacob at those at his platforms. I know that maybe uh, he'll start vlogging again sometime soon. Hint, oh, hint. Yeah, coming up. <laughs> How about you, Ken? Well, yeah, you can just uh, follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at FreeKenA. That's spelled, uh, well, actually, it's not spelled, just free underscore Ken underscore A. And so that's where you can follow me. I'm pretty active. And so, yeah. Very active I, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I try. I, again, it's still a little unnatural to me, but uh, I'm slowly getting back into the groove of being active on on social media. How about you, Jeremy? Well, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow me at JP underscore flicks. I finally posted another thing on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm not as, um, um, as Inactive. active on these, uh, social media, but I did finally post on Twitter guys. So if you want to follow me there, that's where JP underscore flicks. So thank you, Jacob, again, for being our special guest. Yes, don't uh, be a stranger. Don't be a stranger, (laughs) Jacob. It was fun. I'm going to have to do this again sometime. We're sure. Sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully our next podcast, we can have you like in person when this whole COVID thing um, dies down a bit. And we can have you in person. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, guys, I had a good time talking about Nightcrawler, so stay tuned in for next week's episode on Fight Club. Once again, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next week on The Real. (laughs) 